Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Vin, the associate producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market, and we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Andrea Joe DeWard, Senior Director of Marketing at Mariner Lifestyle at HarperCollins. She talks about how reaching and understanding readers is an important start to marketing published books. Vincent stays away from sneezing folks on the elevator, and AJ meets with a friend for breakfast. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, hello, it's me, Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products here at Starista. That must mean one thing only. You're either on a conference call with me, but this would be weird, or it's the Marketing Stir Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so happy to be back on the podcast. I love doing this. And thank you so much for the love over the last few weeks about our 100th episode that came out and all the love for AJ, myself, and all the team that helps put this together. 100 episodes. Can you believe that AJ has put up with me over 100 episodes? This is probably like 106, 107. He can't believe it, but I remind him every day. Ladies and gentlemen, let's pause for a moment for identification purposes. I always hear that on the radio. Starista, who are we? We are a marketing technology company. We own our own business-to-business data, our own business-to-consumer data. We focus on identity. We work with customers who want to target that data to get new customers, maybe to enhance their current CRM or database. We do that through email marketing. We have our own DSP called Adster. We can help with connected TV display. Email me. Vincent at starista.com. That's it. That's the last we'll talk about Starista, but thank you so much. Speaking of Starista, oh, I just talked about us again, but I, you can't say Starista without this man right here. Ladies and gentlemen, he is my co-pilot. I ride shotgun to him or vice versa. Who knows? We don't care, but he is the commander-in-chief here at Starista. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's up, AJ? Hey, Vincent. Happy 100th episode. Pretty cool. Yeah. You know, a couple episodes ago that it, it's it's crazy what the love that we are receiving for that. And, uh, you know, what a, it was an iconic brand. We have another iconic brand today, but we'll get to that in a moment. That's just a little teaser, as we call in the business here. But AJ, what's good? How's everything with you? Good. I actually ventured out for uh, breakfast this morning. So met a, a friend uh, for breakfast, so I was, uh, it was kind of weird. Uh, I hadn't been to a restaurant in a little while, and uh, I just, uh, with the COVID cases rising, I was looking at uh, everybody who was sneezing around me or just ha- had a little cough. So I was on the, uh, I was on the edge. So I don't know. It was uh, good to be at a restaurant, but I felt like I was on the edge most of the time. <laughs> yeah, and that's like that's no way to be. Hopefully, by the time this episode comes out, maybe Feb, March, it's it's kind of yeah, it's it's ceasing. I know, but it's kind of uh, it's that's the way it is, right? You, someone sneezes on the elevator, you're like, what? Get this person off immediately, and that could be a child. You know, you never know. It's kind of yeah. people are like people are on edge a little bit. New York, I, I've been I've done a few dinners with people, but I'm wondering like, what's going to happen with all these conferences that we were so excited that we're coming back. I was like, okay, I'll be at live ramp. I'll be at the ABM exchange. What I'll be here. What's happening. I know the direct marketing club of New York 
had done our very popular luncheon with Bruce Beagle, the Outlook. It's our biggest, one of our biggest events besides the Silver Apple Awards. Virtual now, virtual. Oh. And, and so that's that happens as, as long as we can do the more events in person and, and the Silver Apple Awards, which we love so much. But yeah, wondering what's going to happen there. Haven't heard anything. Yeah, it's interesting because we started this first episode was uh, what we thought at the height of the pandemic. Uh, but it seems like uh, many of our episodes are at the height of the pandemic or different types of the pandemic. Exactly. I know for once, you know, a lot of people said, hey, we would love to see you do these episodes live with these guests yep. because you seem like some of these guests, you seem like they, you've known them for forever. And I was like, that's that's a great thing. But And that is the plan. We want to do this at a trade show or a conference or, you know, this next guest, she's from New York, would have been great to, to do this in person. But let me tell you about this next guest. Speaking of a person that you feel like you've known for a long time, you probably hear me say that uh, you know, not a lot, but every once in a while on the podcast. And I do feel that way about certain guests. I love all our guests, AJ. That is a fact. However, certain ones, you're just like, wait, wait a minute. I feel like I've known her for a long time. She's from the company called HarperCollins Publishers. I told you it was an iconic brand. But I met Andrea at a, an event. It was that a Kodai Connect event. And we'll talk about it when, when I introduce her. But we were just chatting. It was supposed to be kind of the speed marketing for like five minutes, but she and I, we started talking well before that, had so much in common, for, both from New York, both were just kind of hit it off. And I really enjoyed talking to her. I said, Andrea, I have a podcast. She's like, of course I heard of your podcast. She didn't say that. We're not that big yet, but she said, I would love to be on the podcast. I had to have her on. Ladies and gentlemen, please let me introduce the Senior Director of Marketing, Mariner Lifestyle at HarperCollins Publishers. Ladies and gentlemen, a warm marketing stir. Welcome to Andrea DeWord. What's going on, Andrea? Hey, Vincent. Hey, AJ. How are you guys doing? Good to be here today. We, we're happy to have you. It's so good to see you again. I love that you have your Christmas tree up. I I'm the same way. I try to keep it up as long as I could. Yes, you know, in this household, like Downton Abbey, we keep the tree up until the epiphany. Um, so I, I just wasn't quite ready to take it down yet. So um, that's my project for this weekend. So uh, <laughs> happy new year, happy epiphany. It's uh, it's it's still still the holiday spirit around here. I love it. Happy epiphany. I love that's already a great title for this episode. <laughs> so uh, Andrea, let's talk about how we met before I get into some questions. Yeah. We were at which I thought was one of the coolest events I've ever been to. It was a Kodai Connect. So give Kodai some love there. It was this speed networking event. And it was at this really nice, it was a nice hotel, nice restaurant where um, the vendors, if you will, or, or, or suppliers or solutions provider, as I would say, got to be at a table, different tables of, uh, people in marketing, senior level marketing executives like yourself, some great companies there were you were there, there were uh, Equinox, there was American Express, and we got to kind of network before. And then uh, myself and my our colleague, Patrick Corey, got to go to different tables and talk about your products and services. A great event. Strista was kind of the only company of its kind there, which which was great. 
we got a ton of high scores about how well we did and how interested people were. I got to tell you, a lot, not many people following up with me after a few touches. We'll get to that. If you're listening to the uh, episode and if you were at that event, ladies and gentlemen, return my email. Come on, we're not going to bother you. But Andrea and I were talking before. It was a little group of us. There was a few others there. Uh, it, a, a, a woman who lived in my building before me. It wasn't that. It was so cool. And we just hit it off. I really, you know, loved what you're doing at HarperCollins. Love what you're doing as well about traveling and talking about the publishing industry. We'll get to that in a moment. A maybe an author yourself. We'll see. We'll see. We'll get to that, ladies and gentlemen. But it was such a cool event. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I love going to those events and meeting other marketers. Uh, besides the vendors, I, I actually was looking for some new MarTech myself um, to bring into my team. So I, I came in like looking for some, some demos that night um, and, you know, happy to, we, we did have a call with you and, and Patrick after, um, and we're, you know, thinking about some, some first and second party data that could add to our, our own ad practices. But um, I love meeting, I actually, I, I um, have now had dinner with the ladies from American Express and um, the other person I think that lived in your building was from iHeartRadio that night. Yes. Um, we had dinner the other night and we're, we're like making a little marketing ladies of New York um, meetup. Awesome. So I, I love going to those events as a marketer in book publishing. So I can meet, I can meet and learn from other marketers. You'll hear me talk about learning a lot today. Um, I'm an entirely self-taught marketer. So I, I love um, getting to learn from other marketers and hear, you know, what's going on in other industries. Cause you know, I can look at random house. I can look at Simon Schuster and look at other publishers, but like, that's not really where I'm getting inspiration. I'm really getting inspiration from American express or Pepsi or some of these other yeah. big name brands. So, um, so I, I got a lot, a lot of, out of that night. I hope, I hope iHeartMedia or, or someone calls you back soon, Vincent. <laughs> yeah, no, she, iHeart was great. And it, and then they, yeah, hopefully they, they will. We've been, I, we understand the holidays get busy, but I say that tongue in cheek, but Hey, the people that got back to us, people like you and you're on the podcast and we're happy to have you. Andrea, talk to us about, you know, very unique title that you have only in the sense that I want, I'd love to understand more about Mariner lifestyle because it's not what I think. <laughs> and so talk about that and talk to us about kind of what you do day to day there at HarperCollins. Yeah. Um, so Mariner Lifestyle is, is one of our imprints and imprint is a brand in publishing. Some people don't know that word or, but it, it means one of, one of our, one of our publishing brands. Um, and we talk about this in publishing all the time that um, the brands, um, you know, the, the logo on the spine means nothing to the reader. Um, it is a brand that means something to the author, to agents that we work with, um, but really consumer facing. It's, it's kind of a challenge that people are not familiar with these, these brands. So Mariner Lifestyle is one of the brands that I work on. Um, I lead a team of marketers um, that works on fiction and nonfiction, business books and cookbooks and a little bit of everything. We, we do everything top to bottom. We are doing <laughs> full service marketing campaigns from um, for about 70 books in a year, um, launch marketing. Um, and since last year, um, we, we worked for a part of a brand called Houghton Mifflin Harcourt that was rebranded as Mariner. Um, that was acquired by HarperCollins. We became part of the HarperCollins family last summer. Um, we were rebranded and asked to focus on lifestyle. So lifestyle is new. That is our new gig. Um, 
we are being asked to focus um, besides, you know, the fiction and nonfiction and everything else that we've always done well, history, we do history books really well. Um, we are being really asked to focus on lifestyle and cookbooks. Um, so we have a publisher, Deb Brody, um, and uh, she's our editor in chief now, and she's launching a new lifestyle division. Um, and guess what, Vincent, since we last talked, we actually have a new name. So we are actually not going to be Mariner Lifestyle anymore. Um, I'm so excited. This will be, this is actually, it's public in a, in a very quiet way, but um, we are working on a logo now. Our, our rebrand is coming this year. Um, we, are, we are quietly relaunching now as Harvest. Um, so like we harvest an imprint of HarperCollins. And I'm so excited because it means this year, my team gets to do a whole rebrand and launch and, and launch marketing is so fun to me. So we're designing merch and catalogs and things to go out to all of our, our B2B partners, but also our direct consumer marketing. Um, so the place I hesitated is that when I describe book publishing and book marketing, um, when I go to these industry events or um, not industry events, when I go to um, cross industry marketing events, it's always a little challenging to describe what book marketing is because we do B2B and D2C. We do a little bit of everything. We operate as an in-house agency model, but we also use outside agencies for some things. So we do a little bit of everything and it's, it's a very strange model and we are, we're using more outside agencies as we're scaling. We're looking for more off-the-shelf solutions. Um, our B2B stuff looks like um, we're working with our partners who are booksellers and librarians, making sure that they are aware of the books that are you know, coming out, the new releases, and we are arming them with uh, the assets and what they need to promote the books to their, their shareholder, their stakeholders at the end of the day. Um, but then our, our primary marketing is also direct to consumer. So that's where we're talking about advertising and social media and author platforms. It is also strange in that our authors are our product they are our brand, they are our talent, but we, the publisher, are paying them. So I am paying the talent, but they are, you know, they're, they're all, like, they're the client. I have to keep them happy, but we're paying them. So it's, it's a very strange model. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so, so that's, that's what book marketing is. That's what my team does. And we are, we are now very shortly this spring going to be the Harvest Lifestyle Marketing Team focusing on um, you know, self-help lifestyle cookbooks um, from top to bottom. And it's very exciting. That is exciting. I love that new name. Harvest is awesome. Well, that's uh, very exciting news. Thank you for sharing that here on the podcast. And Andrea, uh, how we love to ask these questions right off the bat. How did you get into this business? How did you get into the publishing and the marketing aspect? Because our listeners love hearing this question. Um, I, I came into the industry first. Um, I was an English major. I've always loved books, books first. Um, I loved reading and stories from, you know, I, I was an early reader. I started reading books probably age four independently. Um, in college, I was an English major and kept telling my parents, don't worry, I'm going to make a job out of this. And they're like, why don't you transfer to the business school? And I was like, no, no, I got this. People, people make jobs out of this. Um, and when I, I was, you know, 21 and graduating, I was like, I'm going to get a master's of science in publishing. That is, that is an option. Um, so I went to NYU and got this MS in publishing program. And simultaneously, I was like, ah, this is how people get into publishing. I, I um, applied to 50 different internships and entry-level jobs um, and started working simultaneously while I was finishing that master's program. So, but coming into the industry, I thought I was going to be an editor. I thought I was going to, you know, be the person who makes the books better and work with authors in that, in that really dedicated way. 
Um, what I learned in my first three years in publishing, um, once I got in the door through that, you know, in, in that master's program, um, through meeting people and starting to get my foot in the door, um, is that I actually really love marketing. And I, I did not have that background as an English major. I, I had no idea that that was really a career option or um, a slice of the publishing industry that I could touch and really love. Um, so that has all come, you know, in the last 12 years, just kind of on the fly on the job. Um, so my first job in publishing was a pub office assistant, which is the pub office is a little bit like air traffic control. They, they're the, the air traffic control between all the different departments. They, they deal with the editors, the marketing team, the um, managing editorial, which are like the schedulers, the production folks. So they, they're the ones kind of making everyone work together, combining all the schedules, looking at the com competition, looking at the schedules of other publishers. Um, so I worked for a deputy publisher who did all that. And because of because of that um, level of exposure of the things he was working on, I got to touch a little bit of everything, and it was an awesome entry into the industry because I got to see everything that he was doing and decide what I wanted to do and what I wanted to touch. And it was also those early days of social media, um, so he handed me the keys to the the one of the brand's Twitter accounts, and he was like, "Here, I don't really understand what Twitter is. You go run with it." Um, and I was, you know, 22 at the time, and I love Twitter. I still love Twitter. Twitter is one of my favorite places. And um, I, um, I just, I started to explore with it and really see the opportunities. And and at simultaneously in my master's program, I was starting to see, um, you know, the the added value of what marketing can bring to it. You know, what is what is the value of um, brand awareness? And we were trying to put. Um, uh, trying to assign dollar value to brand awareness through a tweet about a book. And um, those were some of the projects I was working on in this grad school program. And I, I really fell in love with that, that um, logic game of this. Um, I started to work on writing book trailer videos. Um, I worked on a book trailer video for Snooki from the Jersey Shore. And that was one of my first real <laughs> owned marketing projects when I was at Simon and & Schuster. And um, I was like, this is it. Like, I, I like this, like this, whatever this weird little niche part of publishing is where I'm writing a book trailer for Snooki. I'm like, I want to do this. Um, and then from there, from there on out, once I had that path, um, I was all self-taught. I was like, what can I learn? How can I teach myself marketing? I had that master's background then, but then I also started going to conferences and, and um, you know, how do I learn analytics? How do I learn um, how an ad dashboard is built? How do I learn, uh, you know, um, attribution and and sales tracking on the back end. So a, a lot of that has just been really self-taught in the last 10 years. Once I decided that, you know, this is it, um, then um, it's all been by the seat of my pants and I love it. Much like you as an English major as well. So you being our first publishing guest is a really cool thing. So thanks for being on. Um, so, you know, you touched on this a little bit earlier, uh, obviously publishing is very different than some of the other verticals we've had guests from. So tell us a little bit more about what are some of the channels you are marketing in? How is the strategy different than some of the other verticals? You know, I, I bet it looks pretty similar just channel wise. Um, you know, a lot of our our marketing really starts with who the reader is and how do we reach them. Um, over the last five years, it's been about um, reaching our reader wherever they are. So are they on social? Are they reading newsletters? Um, are they, you know, scrolling the newyorktimes.com or cnn.com and how do I reach them? So we, we put a lot of our effort into, you know, digital um, 
audience targeting and segmentation, um, a lot of second and third party data to, to get to that um, and layering on our own first party data where possible. We have the added challenge of we don't typically sell direct, we sell through Amazon or Barnes and Noble. So our first party data is typically, you know, newsletter subscription or something. But um, so we, we're looking at, you know, the same digital ad targeting that most of our, our other big brands are, are looking at. Um, we're looking at social media in the same way. We, we are building our brand voices. Like I said, though, most consumers don't really care about us, the publishers, the brand, they care about the authors, the brand. So a lot of our brand building is really about building up the Mary Higgins Clarks or the Greg Isles or, you know, building up the authors, the brand, not the publishers, the brand. Where things really get different, though, is budgeting. You know, my my larger division at um, Harvest is part of the William Morrow group at HarperCollins. We're part of this larger group um, that publishes 620 books in a year and you know each of those 620 books um our budget gets so segmented um and each of those books needs needs a launch plan and um so the individual books might have a five thousand dollar budget ten thousand dollar budget um the the budgets themselves get so segmented um we have to get really creative with scale um so a lot of my work over the last couple of years has been to get my team to think about how can we how can we group audiences together how can we group like with like to build a mystery and suspense and thriller audience or a culinary and lifestyle audience. And within that, we have celebrity um, cookbooks. We have um, New York chef cookbooks. We have um, books about mental health. So how can we how can we build reusable audiences and target within those groups so that we can re-lump those budgets back together and have 50K for an ad campaign instead of, you know, breaking it down into 5k for each each book. Um, that's really, really the challenge of our, our industry. And I think a lot of publishers are still still taking it, you know, 5k at a time, um, not to get too deep into numbers, but um, that that's where we get stuck is if you're looking at books as individual projects, instead of looking at the broader programmatic approach. Um, that's, I think, where a lot of publishers are, are going to um, just kind of fall behind. Um, so we, we've had a lot of a lot of success when we really think programmatically. We look at a season at a time and think where can we where can we group things together? Where can we pair like with like? Um, and it, it pairs up with what we're finding out about audiences. Um, readers read very broadly. Um, they read by by feeling. They read by topic. Um, they they're not just reading you know fiction or nonfiction. Even um, they might read books that um, help you learn something, whether that's fiction or nonfiction. They might read books that. Um, uh, Let's see, books that help you go into the, the new year, um, coming up with really bad taglines here. We're going to edit this, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of our most successful September campaigns was, a, was called Fall Fresh Start. So we grouped together fiction and nonfiction books um, that help people start the school year um, with, a, with a new outlook on, on you know, sending your kids back to school so that um, we grouped eight or 10 books together um, for a search and social and display campaign. Um, and that worked really well because the people might have been looking for a different kind of book in that way, but they were served the exact right book at the right moment. So so the actual channels, you know, looks pretty, pretty typical. It's, you know, DSP newsletter, a lot of sponsored search. We do a lot of Google sponsored search. Um, the great thing about sponsored search that's been really successful for our nonfiction is we have the entire PDF interior of a book to index for keywords. We have, you know, table of contents and appendix. Um, uh, our cookbooks do really well with sponsored search because we have all those all those recipe keywords to crawl. So um, that's been a, a huge tactic for us. Um, same on, on the social media side, Pinterest does really well because we have all of those interior photos for our cookbooks to use. So 
Uh, but otherwise, you know, it probably does look really, really similar. We don't do a ton of TV because we don't have a lot of video assets. Um, we're, um, we're trying to change that. We're trying to explore some connected TV as we have more authors exploring um, short form social media. We have Instagram and TikTok videos. We're exploring a lot a lot more with TikTok. I think we are one of the first, um, you know, 14% of advertisers that were, um, that were, you know, doing paid TikTok this year. And um, I love experimenting. I love being first and trying and seeing what works. Um, but we had to have authors creating those videos and we were reusing their content. We were not creating the content ourselves in that case. You made a good point about the audience size because we're on the uh, other end of things where uh, clients want to use our segmentation to create the uh, smallest possible audiences. And sometimes, you know, this, uh, yes, we could target a thousand people, but it's not the most effective way to spend the media dollars. So great point there. Um, so what's been a campaign that you have particularly enjoyed working on? Oh, that's so hard because I, um, I was, I've been really lucky to work on a lot of um, big, big books and books that I've really loved. I've worked with a lot of authors that I've genuinely, you know, loved as a reader. Um, I was really honored to work on the book Educated by Tara Westover. Um, if you haven't read it yet, I'd say, you know, put it top of your list. It's a really stunning memoir. Um, and it's a really important book that I think um, just reminds us of um, some of the challenges of, of this country and, and um, poverty in this country and mental health. Um, I, I felt so lucky to work on the book because the, the writing was amazing. And, you know, the book and Tara, her, her words, the author's words in that book are, are really the star of the campaign. Um, so what, what we did with it was um, use the author's words um, in the campaign itself. We, we did a lot of content in ads or video ads, um, author videos that where um, we would overlay sentences from the video, uh, sentences from the book over the bottom of the video um, to draw people in, just using the book itself, using the book itself, drumming that first sentence, that first chapter of the book into people's minds. Um, but then from there, I really can't take credit for much of the rest of the campaign because the book itself is incredible. People like Barack Obama fell in love with that book. And my advertising from there on out looked like literally everyone is talking about this book. Why haven't you bought it yet? Like that was my second wave banner ad campaign. It was amazing. Um, and then it became 2 million copies sold. Why haven't you bought this book yet? Um, so I'm, I'm very honored to have, you know, been so lucky to work on books like that. Um, you know, another one I, I love to talk about is um, also when I worked at Random House, I was very lucky to work on Born a Crime by Trevor Noah, which is also an amazing book and one of my favorites if you haven't read it. Again, those are probably like the two books I recommend to people very often if you if you haven't read them. I will recommend those books to anybody, um, no matter what you like to read. But we had the, the big marketing meeting. I'm presenting the plans. We were at the Daily Show offices um, over in, in Hell's Kitchen. Um, so we're around this big table. And I'm explaining um, retargeting ads to a room of like 12 people. And they're all like writers and it's like the Daily Show people and it's Trevor and his agents. And there's like four agents in the room. And I'm like the one marketing person in the room <laughs> talking through my four page marketing plan. And I'm like, no one cares about what I'm talking about. And it's talking about like the retargeting campaign after someone engages with, with um, the book page, we'll you know, continue to serve them ads and you know, I'm like, you know, when you shop for shoes from Cole Haan and then they, those ads follow you around the internet and Trevor Noah gets very quiet and he got very serious and he was, I was like, oh no, he hates it. He hates my, he hates me. He hates my marketing. And he goes, okay, let me get this straight. So first the ads are going to follow me home 
And then they're going to come upstairs and they're going to get in my bed and they're going to say, buy this book. I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's how retargeting ads work. Thank you for listening. Um, highlight of my career is making sure Trevor Noah understands how retargeting ads work. Um, and you know, again, that book was a huge bestseller, but it was also because of the book itself. Um, that book is really, really good. If it was just another celebrity memoir, people would read it and not talk about it. They wouldn't tell a friend, you need to read this. They would read it and put it down and, you know, not tell anyone. They'd say, eh, Trevor Noah wrote, wrote a book, but this book is so good. It's the book that makes you understand apartheid in South Africa. It is a book that makes you think about yourself and your identity and your childhood. And you read it with such high stakes that you're like, how, how does he get out of this situation? Um, so like, you know, I can't take credit for that. I can take credit for the retargeting ads. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love you. Uh, I love what you said. Not only our first publishing guest, but our, the first guest, I think the only guest that would ever be able to say that I taught how I taught Trevor Noah how cookies work. So I think that's uh, <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. Uh, Andrea, I, I'm not what you call an avid reader. And so AJ would always bust my chops about that. And, and the listeners, too. I'll get to the audio version. Vincent. Yeah, no, actually, I've heard of that book. I've heard of the, the Trevor Noah book. I was actually, uh, I actually own that book, believe it or not, but I have not read it yet. So I, I actually do own that book, but I haven't read it yet. I have, there's, there's one or two in, in my hopper. I kid you not. There's that one. There's a, a Kevin Hart book. I tend to read about, you know, comedians. Uh, yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah, I know. My first books ever. No, I've read other books. <laughs> People magazine doesn't yeah, count. Yeah, Andrea is so nice. She's like, oh, that's a good start. That's great. I'm like, you know, for your first book. It's not my first book. But here, here's my question. My question is, is like part of the goal is, is success measured on obviously how many people buy the book, but also getting on that New York Times bestseller. Is that like, is that like an accomplishment? It is, but like, is that also like, all right, we're doing our thing here. I just, I just don't know. Yeah, yeah, Vincent, that really, that really is the gold standard. Um, the New York Times just comes out every Wednesday night. Um, so publishers are sitting at their desk on like Wednesday at 5 p.m. waiting for the list. Um, there's always someone assigned to like call the author and like let them know where they hit on the list. Like it, it is a big deal. Um, and I, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about it recently. Um, we had an author, Patty Heenich, um, who had her third cookbook out um, in October. Um, Treasures of the Mexican Table, and she hit the New York Times list for the first time ever in her career. And she was asking us about this. She's like, how big of a deal is it? I was like, you know, I was doing the math and I'm like, okay, of the books that my team works on, we have maybe 10 or 15% of our books that we work on hit the New York Times list every year. Um, so we have, you know, if, if that's the mark of, you know, the number one gold standard, um, if 10% of our books hit the list, like that, that's pretty, that's pretty big and it's pretty hard. And, and I'm so lucky to work at some of the, you know, the, the big brands and that we only acquire the big authors. So we have a better shot of hitting the list than other brands and other houses. We have the money to put behind our campaigns. And Patty put it so nicely. So she's like, you only, so you only work on the really good books, right? And I'm like, that's, that's correct. <laughs> that is correct. Um, so yeah, it, it's really challenging. And um, the list is um, depending, there's different categories. There's fiction and nonfiction, there's paperback. Um, so there's either 10 slots or 15 slots um, each week. It changes each, each week, but the list is a real, um, it's a true algorithmic wow. reflection of sales and consumer demand. Like it, it is, a, it's, um, there's, there is a secret algorithm. No one really knows the, the New York Times' formula for determining 
um, the, how they, they weigh Amazon sales differently than Barnes and Noble sales and independent bookseller sales. We don't, we don't know the exact formula. We can guess at it. Um, but it is a true marketplace reflection and it's the closest thing we have to, to really, um, really gauging, gauging that. There are, there are others. The Wall Street Journal bestseller list is really important for our business authors. Um, so when I work on business books, um, I worked with Mark Benioff of Salesforce. Like he, he was number one on the Wall Street Journal list. Um, and he also hit the New York Times list, but like that Wall Street Journal list was more important for his staying power um, in the business audience. There are regional um, independent bookseller lists for each. Um, uh, there's I think seven independent bookseller regions. So th there, there are different lists that are important for different reasons, but like New York Times is the gold standard. Wow. Um, me personally, I also know I've made it with a book campaign when my mom and her suburban ladies are talking about it in their Pilates class. In <laughs> when a couple years ago, she's like, have you heard of this book by Trevor Noah? And I'm like, yes, yes, yeah. mother, I have. Worked on that, mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm aware. I love it. I love, so the New York, yeah, New York Times gold standard and mom's Pilates group. That's it. That's the, uh, what you want to go for. I, I love it. Oh, good. So yeah. So it was kind of like, uh, I was, yeah, thank you for answering that for me because I was wondering. I was like, this is a silly question I'm about to ask, but that's, uh, thank you. Andrea, let's get back to something because uh, you said about the, the rebrand. Uh, that is uh, exciting, but also could be nerve wracking, I would imagine as well. Can we explore that a little bit? Because I would imagine I'm thinking of our listeners going, oh, wait, we're doing a rebrand too. Uh, you know, let's, let's get Andrea's take on that. What's involved there? How's that going? What are some of the steps that you have to take? I'd love to get your opinion on that. It is it is a whole lot of chicken and egg. Um, so we we were working on a name for for a lot of the fall. Um, our our editor in chief for One Demand was that our name not be something that anyone could ever make fun of. Um, so no no silly names, and we so we had a lot of brainstorming, and now we're on the logo phase. And same same standard, nothing nothing that anyone can make fun of. So yesterday I was doing research on all of the logo redesigns last year that um, the internet destroyed and just ripped apart. Um, there were some notoriously really bad ones last year. Um, I won't name names, but um, there there were some bad redesigns. So um, we're looking we're looking at logos, um, hoping to have something by next week. So it's it's um, really a crush on our our in in house graphic design team. We are looking to our in-house designers who also do our, our covers of our books. Um, that will be who, who is doing our, our, um, our logo. And um, one of the things we had to talk about is where we're using it besides appearing on the spines of the books. It will also have to appear in you know, square and circle and vertical and horizontal format for different uses for social media. Um, some things that maybe my publisher wasn't thinking about, but the marketing team has to think about and how will it look on, on merch. I want tote bags to send out um, to our agents, whenever in publishing, whenever you have lunch, um, you always bring whoever you're meeting with, you always bring them a, a bag of books. So every agent and editor um, will have harvest tote bags and they'll bring a, a bag of books to their, um, their, their lunches whenever, whenever we can have work lunches again. Um, so we're, we're already thinking about swag bags and um, that makes me think about influencers. So all, all of these things are kind of rolling at the same time. I have a running list with, with the marketing team of um, what needs to happen. Um, so as soon as we have a logo, my next ne next step then is um, I need the mission statement. The mission statement then will determine social media bios and, and other such things that need to be updated. Um, I think we will probably, 
soft launch and change our social handles and bios before we make our trade announcement. Um, like I said, I, I have announced it here today because it is public on Amazon. It, it is feeding in our metadata. So we did make a metadata update already. Um, we are rolling this out. Um, we have authors who are already like, my book says Harvest on Amazon. And we're like, yes, that's correct. So um, so it is it is a tiered launch um, before we make our big, our big trade announcement, um, before, uh, before we make our media announcement. So then um, I think probably later this spring, we'll do a full like influencer reveal, like packages of books and swag and things sent out to our influencer list. I didn't talk about this earlier, but influencers are really important to our overall marketing strategy. We, do, we have a huge um, organic influencer program. We have about 700 um, influencers that we've just homegrown on um, that we have close relationships with. I want those to be some of the first folks to get like their harvest swag and know um, the fall harvest cookbook lineup um, and be ready to start talking about and promoting our books and tagging our new social handles. So um, that is probably one of the last steps when we're more buttoned up and have you know our printed materials and, and things ready to go. But um, there, there are a lot of steps in here and I'm getting from A to B and I'm, it's, it's everything's kind of happening at once. There's a lot of legal review in here too. Um, legal had to review the name and, and the trademarks. Um, legal was asking, um, are you going to be using the name on printed and digital materials? And I'm like, yeah, yes, yes. The name will be used on digital materials. That one surprised me. I'm like, come on, come on legal. Um, so lots, lots of legal review at every step. They have to approve the logo, those kind of things. So there's, um, there's definitely more checks and balances than, um, I think any of us ever, ever would, would imagine. Andrea, a little bit of a lighter question, uh, which is one of our staples. Uh, so I'm sure with your title and where you work, you get a lot of LinkedIn messages. Are there some what are some that stand out to you? And uh, the one we get really interested in, what are some that uh, really annoy you? <laughs> let me start there. Um. <laughs> People usually do. They're like, let me tell you what annoys me. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I should say, I, I do, I love LinkedIn. I'm, I'm an avid user. I'm definitely a super user. I've used it a lot for recruiting. Um, when I get pitches on LinkedIn, I am shocked how bad they are sometimes. Um, I, I changed jobs during the pandemic, um, one, one week into the pandemic, um, I, I left Random House on, I think, March 10th, 2020, and went to Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, and then, like I said, HMH was acquired by HarperCollins, so I've, I've made a lot of moves in the remote work environment, um, so I was shocked when I started getting these messages <laughs> on LinkedIn saying, I sent you a package at your office at Har Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, and I'm like, I don't have an office at Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. I've never set foot in the building. I've only been a remote employee for my entire time here. Thank you for doing your research. Or people would say, I left you a voicemail on your HMH phone. I'm like, I don't have an HMH phone. I was never given one. So a, a lot of these people like trying to trying to say, I already tried to reach out to you. And I'm like, that that is literally impossible. Like you could not have done that. Um, th that those were the ones that really, really bothered me in the last year. Um, uh, but I, I love LinkedIn. I, I, I guess I don't have, I don't really have answers for, you know, what pitches I like to get. Um, but I, I, I'll tell you what's worked for me. I've used it a lot for recruiting. Um, and I have sent a lot of messages to folks saying, you know, Hey, are you, are you interested in 
XYZ kind of opportunity? Um, are you a are you a lifelong learner and team player? Um, are you looking are you looking to make a career move? Um, and I've I've hired um, three three people from cold LinkedIn messages um, where I've I've done my own recruiting and. Um, those three people are still in the HarperCollins organization and um, wonderful additions to our team. And um, they took a chance on me for sending a cold LinkedIn message. And I, I really appreciate that. So um, hopefully my, my LinkedIn stalking has not been too creepy in the past. <laughs> hey, th th that's actually great. Uh, so as we have gotten bigger 100 plus employees, uh, we've had to pay recruitment fees now because we're running out of people in our network. And uh, uh, I, I'm going to ask our managers to start uh, pitching themselves because those recruitment fees are pretty high. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's, it's been great. Yeah. So speaking of kind of uh, recruitment, uh, a lot of people that watch our podcast are younger marketing professionals. So would love to have you give some advice or for people starting out or even people in college, what's the good way of getting into marketing? What are some of the skills you think they need? You know, um, right now, especially, I think everyone's struggling with burnout. Um, I think balance is really important. And this is something I think young folks in marketing don't learn for a couple of years in their career. Um, so I, I, I think it takes almost a more, it's a more senior eye, it's a more skilled eye to look at your to-do list and really evaluate what's important, what's not important. Um, I think it it can actually look more junior if you are hustling to do every last possible thing you can do for a campaign instead of doing the three most important things. Um, so I've started to see this with, with my team and we really try to focus on what are the three needle moving activities um, or what are the five needle moving activities. But I, I don't need to see you pitching every last possible outlet if there's not gonna be any payoff. I want to see my team evaluating, is this worth it? And that shows senior critical thinking, senior level critical thinking, strategic marketing thinking um, to know that, you know, you have thought about this activity. Is this activity going to sell books? Is this activity going to be a valuable marketing activity before you just go ahead and do it um, for the sake of doing it? Or because it's something that we've always done because someone said, Someone said we had to a year ago, but is it something we still need to do? Um, so I, th I think that's valuable for anyone in any position or anyone in, in any marketing role. Um, are, are the things on your to-do list things that are actually adding value to your product or your campaign or your launch, or are you doing them because you've always done them? Um, and, and it's for, for marketers, it's for you too. It's, it's to save your sanity, it's to save your to-do list. Um, so I, you know, I'm going to recommend a book again. Um, I highly recommend the book Do Less by Kate Northrup. Um, she's actually launching a book club this, this week. Um, I don't, I don't publish her. She's published by Hay House, I believe. Um, but I'm just a huge fan and she has really taught um, me and I've recommended her to my team as well, um, how to prioritize your time and really think about like the 20% the of your um, work or marketing activities that contribute to the 80% of your bottom line. Um, so like, I, I love that rule and it's really changed the way I think about my time. And so I'm, I'm trying to, trying to evangelize that message. Um, you know, think about, think about what's, what's needle moving and what can be, what can, what can we just not do anymore? And Andrea, we appreciate you naming books because that's a segment that we, we get to as well. Like, what are you watching? What do you, what books out there? And we hear from, from people not in publishing uh, about that. And some of the feedback we get from our listeners are like, oh, i bought that book. Thank you. And that's the ultimate for us here at, at uh, the Marketing Stir, hearing that 
feedback from people. Andrea, we're almost out of time, but I want to talk, speaking of books, I want to talk about, I know, I remember talking to you that you're working on a book and let's talk about that. Tell me about that, how it's going. Um, you know, let's, I want to get that out there for, uh, we're talking about other books. Let's talk about yours. Thank you. Um, yeah, so it's, it is, it's not marketing related. It's not business related. I have written a book just completely for fun. Um, I have written a novel, um, that is tentatively titled everyday magic. Although this week I was emailing with my agent about maybe changing the title. So as I say this, um, we were throwing around some other titles. I am in last revisions right now. Um, so, um, um, hypothetically, we are going to be trying to sell my book to a publishing house this year. Um, and I will be coming at it from the other side. It's a, it's a coming of age novel about a family of witches. Um, it's a mother, daughter, and grandmother. Um, and the, the daughter is learning to take over the family business from her mother and grandmother. And, um, it's also a universal story of if you want to, um, forge your own path or step into the family expectations that are being put upon you um, family responsibility. Um, do you go your own way or do you do what your family expects of you? Um, so it's, it's, it's been a, just a really fun side project for me. I write in the mornings before work and um, it's really helped me connect to my authors and, and see their, their side of things. Um, so that, that is one of my, one of my side projects. And um, I am also, because can't have enough side projects, um, I'm also launching an international writing retreat this year um, called Madonna Writing Retreats. We, um, applications are opening on January 24th and we'll be taking a group of 10 writers um, to Barcelona in June, 2022. So um, watch um, my social media. I'm at AJ Deward on social and we'll be, we'll be announcing the application shortly to take, um, take some folks to Barcelona to learn how to plot and set up your novel um if you want to if you want to write a book but have never figured out how um we'll be we'll be taking you through that um in the mediterranean i love it i love it yeah i know that uh, that you do that i know that you love educating professionals uh young professionals just getting started so we really do love that and appreciate that can't wait for your novel to come out Andrea, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. That is Andrea DeWord, the Senior Director of Marketing, Mariner Lifestyle, soon to be Harvest at HarperCollins Publishers. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. This has been The Marketing Start. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you all. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.